and my desire was to just be in a shop and be working. And I did. I just I fell in love with the rules and the disciplines and the logic of of wooden boat building. I mean, I I I'd much rather build a boat or hang planks than be confronted with trying to build uh, cabinets or things that are square. They're just they're way more of a challenge. On the 351st episode of the MWA podcast, uh, myself, Sean, and Mark talked to outstanding boat builder, timber supplier, and instructor, Josh Swan. And in the news, we've got a CNC from Goliath that's a little bit interesting. Woodpeckers is coming out with those butterfly-style blast gates. There's a new digital journal coming out called Pen and Chisel. Look up descriptions on Instagram at Pen and Chisel. And Red Rose Productions has a compass attachment for the new dividers currently available. And in the shop, we've got shave horses, bees, videos, sticky mats, and boats. All this and more on this episode of the MWA podcast. So welcome to the show, Josh. Uh, thank you all for having me. I uh, really appreciate the invitation. Fantastic. So I assume you are the uh, J.W. Swan of J.W. Swan and Sons? I am. Yep. That's, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. yep. I, I figured I'd, I'd use one of two avenues to name my business, either my name or my location. And we live in the Shawamigan Bay, which has a lot of letters and uh, syllables in it. So I chose my name. And uh, our when I first started, uh, which, gosh, this was a 18 years ago now or 17 years ago in terms of starting my own business uh long before we had sons but we've got uh, our two boys are 11 and 6 and um last i was pretty excited this last january to uh conscript them and, and to add them to the the company name they were pretty excited too oh awesome. cool, cool well i'm glad you went with that name because the other one i would not have been able to pronounce and <laughs> our listeners would have loved it but of course then they got to drink a shot and you know it's all <laughs> yeah. funny. but tragic, anyway tragic truly tragic but uh, before we talk more more with uh, Josh, let's uh, head on over to the woodworking news. So I got a couple of things. One that kind of um, it's kind of interesting. It's a mobile CNC from Goliath, and I don't know if y'all had a chance to look at this yet, but uh, it's it's pretty neat. It's kind of reminds me of um, the Shaper Origin, which is kind of like you know a handheld CNC, except. Uh, this one's on a little motorized cart that you can just plop on uh, the, your wood and it will just take off and do everything. So there's real no, you know, it's not a four foot bed or I mean a four by four bed or a four by eight bed or anything like that. It's however big the uh, piece of wood is that you want to uh, CNC. So it's kind of unique. So unlike uh, yeah. the shaper, you're not yep. guiding it. It's doing it's 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 taking that extra level right. of, of CNC. In yeah. taking its its driving and doing the depth at the same time. Yep, that's it looks like cool. it's, It looks like it's got uh, onboard dust collection too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, the little radio towers that you put at the outer extents of the of the work. Right. Yep. Cut it loose. They give it its little location. It, it's it's the Roomba of like freestanding CNC <laughs> routers. Why did I think about that? That's great. <laughs> yes, it, it is. is the Roomba of CNCs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it looks if, you know, you know, kind of yeah. like that. Um, it's a lot bigger than the Shaper in that way because yeah. it's got dust collection and extra wheels and, and robotics and power. Batter, battery power. Yeah. Battery. I don't know yeah. what that is. That coil just dust collection? It looks like an airline. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things going on there. That is really cool, though. Yeah, that, you know, 
it is because CNC is essentially our, our hands free. You yep. code them and you go. This is going to receive something and go, and you get to stand back and watch it. And it, it is you know freestanding, untethered robot. You know it has it has its control systems, but that's um that is pretty uh yeah, pretty a, darn neat. Yeah, four thousand sixteen inches uh, wide by sixteen inches long and twelve inches high and weighs thirty three pounds. So mm-hmm. you know it weighs so does that, some weight. That mean not you're not prohibitive. Yeah. You can't cut anything within eight inches of the edge or half of yeah. it's hanging over. Right. <laughs> no, no, the 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 routers can't levered out. So, yeah, so it's got to be. It can be inside. I mean, there's some limitations to it. Can't drive over cut pieces to get to edge pieces, so the operation has to fit, you know, the mold kind of thing. But yeah, that's uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's really interesting. Expensive, but interesting. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of uh, there's one that that where you uh, you tilt a sheet up mm-hmm. on like a 15 degree angle, and then it's got a, a wires. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the the cameras that the NFL uses to get those center of the field shots. What is that yeah, one called? Yeah. I know yeah. that one. They yeah, originally but, had it, and it was like dumb weighted with bricks. Yeah. To yeah, to, yeah. and it costs less than five hundred dollars, and you can legitimately. Cheap. Yeah. Um, Tim, not Tim Sway, no. Uh, Keith Eason has one right now, and he was messing around with his. Um, yeah. But I saw that. Oh yeah, it was years ago. Yeah, it, it similar I think in the operation because it does its depth by itself and travels right. otherwise, given it's kind of other controls. Doesn't have yeah. a big gantry or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a flat surface, like Kyle said, it's as big as you want to make it. I mean, you know, plywood yeah. has its own yeah. limitations, but you know, if and you it's were... it's not cheap. It looks like it's about mm-hmm. uh, thirty nine hundred bucks. So say four thousand dollars for it. So yeah, it's it's not you know you can get a decent CNC I think for that, but it's going to be one <laughs> of the smaller ones. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, definitely something to uh, to look into. Again, uh, I think uh, it's Goliath CNC. So if you just want to uh, go over there, GoliathCNC.com is their website. You don't but, yeah. really you don't really win a whole lot of this is uh, inexpensive and fits in my shop by naming something Goliath, do you? Like <laughs> <laughs> they have big ambitions. Yeah, Very big. yes they do. Yes they do. Yes. So we need the David CNC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> the shape of go yeah yeah pray yeah exactly that's so. the head-to-head that's gonna happen there's but. gonna be the david versus goliath and be shape elko versus this thing yeah but anyway moving on um next up um woodworkers has some new blast gates out they're called the full throttle blast gate and uh they look very interesting and uh they're not expensive <laughs> um so these blast gates kind of have um Oh, what do you want to call that? Kind of a, a, a butterfly valve. Butterfly type. Yeah, exactly. I was looking for the correct terminology. Thanks. Yeah, it's a butterfly. So it's not a, a, a piece of metal that slides in and out that blocks the airflow. It's a butterfly that just opens up or closes. And, you know, that seems to be probably would work a lot better when be subject to getting, you know, a bunch of debris in it and, uh, you know, kind of clogging the mechanism up. So, you know, it looks pretty interesting. The only um, issue I have is they only make it in four inch size. So it would be nice if they had something bigger. So it's not something I guess you're going to put on your mains, um, but definitely on, you know, hose drop downs and stuff like that from a dust collecting. But uh, like I said, it's not very expensive. Um, it's they have it on sale now. They're twenty bucks a piece, basically. Not on sale. They're twenty two dollars a piece. So I wonder. Uh, I wonder know. if they'll be. So I, I have some that are, of course, mounted incorrectly. They're they're at the bottom of a drop. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if having chips collect on top of that would affect its ability to open. I guess it probably wouldn't be too bad. No. Unless they were really packed in there. Yeah. But yeah, yep. I don't know. I, I might have to try some of these out. I, I think it's a great idea that rotating, mm-hmm. rotating instead of uh, sliding. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know what a butterfly valve is, which mm-hmm. I, I, I would not have known <laughs> if I wasn't looking <laughs> at them. But uh, yeah, there's a little, or a little round yeah. uh, steel plug mm-hmm. that pivots uh, in the center of the opening. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Kind of like yeah. a, Kind of like a ball valve without the ball, you know, just mm-hmm. it's a lot, mm-hmm. lot more sturdy, uh, a lot easier to move and less likely to die. So. Yeah. Well, think about a shaker uh, intake, you know, on a on an old, uh, you know, Mopar car or something like oh, that. Yeah. So, big, yeah. Big, yeah. Uh, I carburetor. think that's why they're calling Polycarp. it full throttle. Yeah, that's ah. I would think that's where the name comes from. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it looks interesting. So if you're in the in the market for blast gates or are currently cursing your blast gates, you might want to <laughs> take a look at this. Um, also, I would be remiss to uh, mention that Woodpeckers also has re-released one of their wood one-time tools. They have their uh, bevel gauge and their I guess their angle reference plate um, back on the market, so to speak. Um, I think they've had this as a one-time tool before. And uh, they look good. I've never played with one, but uh, knowing woodpeckers, uh, the belt gauge is probably pretty good. I do have their angle reference plate, and I like it. Um, I'm just not sure if it's any better than the beveled monkey that's out there at a much cheaper price. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyway, I, this probably has, I think this goes down to quarter degrees on their reference plate. I'm not sure if the beveled monkey goes down to quarter degrees or not. So, Something to consider, but um, then I want to give a shout out to a couple of friends of the show. So a new digital journal is coming out called the Pen and Chisel. And, um, you know, longtime friend of the show, uh, Kathy Thompson, is spearheading this. I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. And they just opened a new um, a new uh, Instagram account called at pin and chisel and spelled a and D out. So you might want to check that out. Um, the, the, uh, online journal, I think is probably going to come out towards sometime this summer. I think, uh, subscriptions are going to be opening up on June 1st. Hmm. So pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. And I think they're, you know, they're going to be angled to, you know, bringing more diverse voices into the craft through this journal. So it should, it should be good. should be good. And then next up, uh, we had uh, Dan of uh, Red Rose Reproductions on a few episodes ago, and he was talking about the compass attachment for his new dividers, and it is now available, and uh, it's $32. So um, I would, you know, if you're in the market for uh, the compass attachment to those dividers, I'd get over there quickly because by the time you hear this, they're probably sold out. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I'm sure, well, maybe by the time you hear this, he's restocked. So anyway. There you go. He's a pretty industrious guy. He'll, he'll, yeah. You know, he won't be out for long. Yeah. That's but, the cool thing does... about how they do that is it, it may not, it, it may sell out, but it will be back yes. you know, on a ruling yeah. basis. And it does come with two of the pencils he was talking about. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I gotta so, see if those if those pencils will fit in my Hamilton marking gauge. Oh, because my I'm I'm about to run out of pencil. 
and it's hard. Oh. It's been it's been hard to find a pencil. I don't have to shave down to fit in that thing. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have uh, the hand. The only I don't just have the real small Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, Same four marching gauge. I don't four or and, six. I can't remember, but it's just yeah. Like I think mine's a four inch or something like that. But um, yeah, I don't have the bigger ones that have the uh, pencil. Uh, I guess that's available. Their, that's their super long one, right? So yeah. The trammel, trammel. Oh, well, yeah. they have a panel gauge, and then he has a traditional gauge, and the traditional has an option for a pencil. Yeah. And uh, I use that thing to for all my to when I'm resawing, just to, mm-hmm. to take a three inch board and knock it down to two. Um, that's that's how I mark it out big fat pencil line yeah well good good well um speaking of friends of the show um i think we have a patreon shout out this week 100 percent. so we always want to thank our patreon supporters but today we're talking to rex hansen thank you sir for your support and if you'd like to join rex in supporting us go find us on patreon.com slash mwa podcast yeah as we're recording this i just saw rex uh, scored a apartment for him and his wife in Boston when he attends the North Bennett Street School oh, coming up uh, this so. fall. So um, I've promised to have him back on the show um, after he gets done with his first semester to talk all about it. So that'll be great. Yeah. Thanks for the support, Rex. Exactly. So let's move on to what's in the shop. So Mark, what are you working on? I'm still covered in shave horse parts. <laughs> 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 as far as the eye can see yes they're they're on every surface and uh there's patterns and parts and all kinds of things but uh and then when i'm not doing that i'm researching a refinance on my mortgage so that's oh. been fun too rates are good right now they right? are insanely low yes we're oh. we're looking at going from a 30 year with 22 years left down to a 15 year with a very little extra in the way of payments so shaving Seven years off of a mortgage is a pretty big, yeah, uh, pretty yep. big change. So we did that back in oh 2011, 2012. Went from six to six percent to three percent and dropped it from a thirty year to a twenty year. Mm-hmm. And paying the same, and we're paying a twenty year off in sixteen years. I think the way we're doing it. So yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah, do we, it. We we thought you know we had a three and a half percent mortgage in in 2013 and thought man that's just amazing mm-hmm. and the 15 year rates are at two and three eighths. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean they're super cheap. So yeah, that's that's taking priority right now. But because uh, that that'll change in a little while. Mm-hmm. Sean, uh, you are you've got a like a new household. <laughs> I've, I've got to do something. I've got bees, bees, thousands of bees. Uh, I on Monday, actually, just a few days ago, I picked up uh, from the post office two packages of bees to replenish our hive. Oh well, to expand our hive to hives, plural. Um, uh, so they were installed on Monday, and it's it's all it's weird. And my wife had to ask me like. How do you not remember? Because I did this last year. We got our first package last year, and we had mm-hmm. this successful hive, and you know we got honey, you know all the thing, and then un- unfortunately we found them dead in the winter. And um, I, in how you go about installing a package of bees is is uh, it's not an exact science, but there's steps to it that, that are are good to follow. And I had to ask my son. I'm like, did I did I suit up last year? Did I? Did I wear gloves? I don't even remember. I mean, they're they're they get angry when you're moving them around, but it's really weird. Like to, I had 
to have two what these are packages they're roughly they're it's weird to weigh bees in pounds because they weigh nothing <laughs> so it's it's literally thousands you don't you don't you can't count them um but they're they're all very collected like a like a swarm would be in the wild if you've ever seen a swarm on a tree limb they just mm. ball around and they're balling around the queen the queen has traveled out and they're following her um the that, that exact thing happens in this they're the queen is attached into into an enclosed thing inside and they're balled around her and and they just kind of hang on so i put these bees in the back of my car and just drove home from the post office <laughs> my son my oldest son was home and he's like i no, I will not be in the car with that. <laughs> but but it, it's really funny because they actually calmed down from me carrying them out of the post office and driving them home. When I got back to the back of my car, they were calmer. They were still making buzzing noises, but um, that lovely buzzing that thousands of bees make. Um, but they're they're in there. They're it's too early to even check. But like now, the next steps are to make sure that they're releasing the queen because you, I had to pull up a little cork plug for them to get into her and she, they've got to eat some candy away to to then release her and we this 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 year is totally different in that we have existing comb some honey from the mm-hmm. previous bees already there so uh, already it, the first time we were watching them and they were you know it took them time to build up their hive just to be able to lay eggs and then store pollen and do all these other things my wife has already seen them carrying pollen back on day two which means oh, they're getting to work right away, which is really, really cool. And it's going to be interesting to pro- you know, see the progress of these two as they go. So you freeze um, the old frames? To, I didn't. No. Do you, you know what I did? So you don't I, do that to kill the like potential mites or pests so, or whatever? No. And that you bring up a good point because I have a board underneath them right now. And I'm gonna, probably going to pull it tomorrow to see if anything is falling. Um, you can you can treat for the varroa mites, mm-hmm. um, and we do know that there was some infiltration. Um, what we did do as we were cleaning after we found the dead hive, we we literally scraped to the bottom anything that had any residue in it that wasn't capped honey. So oh, okay. we we extracted honey that was released, and we um, we literally threw away a bunch of drawn comb that was either had dead bees stuck in it or around it, or we did see mite droppings. Mm. Um, and so it, it's, it's inter- interesting, but I've got, there's um the product is called ape of air. I don't know if it's a company or, or yeah. what it's made of, but you know, these little strips and I'm, I'm going to see how they establish and then maybe treat them in the spring here. <laughs> Um, it's weird when you're starting from a new, if it was a, if it was an overwintered hive, I would definitely be treating now in the spring. Um, but they're, as they're establishing, we got to see. Yeah, exactly. It's so so that much means, work. It is. It is. I mean, their, their entrance is reduced. I mean, the only thing we're doing is we're trying to supplement them a little bit with, with a sugar water feed just to help them draw comb. Um, although they don't have to nearly do the work that the prior bees had to do. And if, if we find them, you know, we're going to check on them in the next day or two. And if we find that they're getting down to business, we'll probably just let them use nature for that. And, and then just really kind of, it fast forwards what we did last year in a way, because we had a kind of a base of an establishment. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting, but no, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about freezing. I did bring them inside, but, um, they weren't, they, uh, they didn't get that cold. 
maybe okay. maybe 60 degrees but not nearly freezing yeah it's uh it's it is like you said it's a lot of work it's 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 not everyday time consuming it's not exactly farming in that way you know i don't have to it it's definitely on mind and so i look outside when i and then every day for sure i'm going to go and just walk out there and just monitor the activity you know day one it was crazy they were buzzing all over the place but that's them figuring out where the hell they are you know and it takes some time they were buzzing up by the house a few of them but my wife my wife was working the other day and she's like yeah there were two they just came up the window they weren't angry they weren't they weren't like bouncing their heads off the window they were just kind of going back and forth and back and forth locating yeah basically checking stuff out going up nope piling here check that one off and go back and they gotta they gotta figure it all out and we did find um we have new neighbors that moved in at the end of the street and uh they installed a hive and i actually i ran into them uh well the the wife uh the other day and she was just out looking at the hive i said excuse me i I can't help but notice (laughs) you've got a hive in your backyard you know and and uh and so they're new to it as well. I said, cool. So, you know, we should, you know, we should talk. If you have any questions, we've been through this for a year at least. And uh, it's uh, just a beekeeping party going on. Yeehaw. <laughs> I have to, I do have to make, uh, I think I got to make a new lid and make a new top. Um, it's called a Vivaldi board. It's kind of an inner lid slash ventilation area. Um, that's just, it's like quarter inch Luan and four by four, you know, simple construction kind of stuff but it's um it's just a a nice little creature comfort for them to help ventilate the air because it for whatever reason we got a hell of a heat spell it was almost 90 today and i think it's gonna be 90 the next two days which is really weird for mid-may you know as as we're recording this and and it's um it's not concerning because they they they're fine when it's 100 degrees but it's uh it's just interesting to see how they're going to react to it and it kind of, well, you need to bring them down to Houston. It's only 75 here today. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. probably came from Louisiana or Mississippi anyways. So. Georgia, actually. Georgia. Yeah, so they're, yeah. you know, they're just yeah, they're, right they're at home. Yeah. yeah, they're used to the heat. They're already right wearing shorts. <laughs> we'll see. When they get hot in the summer, they come outside and they, they're called bearding when they, like, cling to the walls of the, of the hive. And they're literally just out there with their wings open, just trying to cool off. You know, they do this, this, mm-hmm. it's really cool that once you, once you are comfortable with them and you start looking really closely at them, you see their things and you see like, like you said, like Mark, when they, they're geolocating, they come back with, they find something, they do a figure dance and that somehow describes their location. And so one will do it and then two will go the next day and find it and come back and confirm it and then keep on. It's really kind of crazy. Anyway, anyway, lots of bees, Kyle, you don't have bees. What do you got? I got videos. Videos. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time this publishes, I will have uh, released the arm bojig for um, ordering. So, and um, I'm not going to have one jig. I'm going to actually have two, probably. Two, two, two for the price. Two, yes, yes. Uh, Y'all know this, but uh, it's not something I've publicized out there. But um, I've actually been working uh, for a few months with. Uh, Pete Galbraith on his armbow jig. He brought the idea to me and I've been collaborating with him on how to uh, do this. And in that, I kind of came up with my own design, which is a little bit different than Pete's, Um, but they both work well. Um, Pete's is kind of the uh, Ford F-150 of the armbow jigs. And mine's kind of the Ford F-150 Lariat package with the off-road options. 
Okay, so, I mean, you had to go to that end because and the electric not being a Texan motor. by saying a Ford F-150, I don't know yep. if that's the bottom or the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, the basic Ford F-150 will do all the things you need to do, um, but uh, the uh, upgraded one has some nicer features, and if you get the off-road components, you can go off-road. Um, and basically, uh, Pete's will do everything except... One thing that mine will do that his his design won't is actually drill blind mortises. So you can drill up from the bottom into like a crest rail where you're only drilling in an inch. You're not making a through hole. Mm. And uh, I think that's probably uh, that difference. And um, his jig relies on some guide rods. So is as your stretchers uh, or as your spindle, should I say, and go up and down in height, you will have to change out these guide rods um, to compensate for the height. Mine has this kind of offset design where you don't have to change out any um, guide rods or anything. There are no guide rods. It's just a um, just a rail that everything rides on. And because of that kind of uh, offset design, you can actually then not only use the drill from on top of the jig, but also from the bottom of the jig to drill, drill those uh, blind mortises. And yes. I'm probably not explaining that very well, but there will be videos. Yeah, yeah no, go, video, video videos. You know, if a picture's worth a thousand words, a video. Yeah, boy, yeah. No, thousand, thousand, exactly. Thousand exactly. pictures. But yeah, no. So you're what you're saying is that his his slices, yours slices, dices, and does Julian fries. You bet. You bet. Got the it. Best fries you've ever had. There you go. <laughs> No, but uh, like I said, his his is a fantastic design. It's uh, it's accurate. It does everything well. Mine just like I said has a few more uh, bells and whistles. And um, so, and um, besides working on that, and that's kept me pretty darn busy. Um, I've also wanted to give an update on the sticky mats I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So I bought these mats or construction uh, mats or for clean rooms and stuff like that. And they, they're sticky on the bottom so that when you come out of the shop, you step on these mats. And um, then that takes all the uh, dust and uh, any sawdust and stuff off off your feet as you go. And the ones I bought are like 24 inches by 36 inches. And they work really, really well. I was very surprised. It's like a dust collector. It traps 99% of the dust on your feet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying it works 100%, but man, you know, because I have a carpeted stairway uh, from my shop up into the house. And that used to get all kinds of um, embedded shavings and dust and whatnot on it. And I mean, I've seen a... I mean, dramatic's not the the right word for it. I mean, it's gone from just, um, you know, probably the first few steps are littered with shavings to there's like one shaving there, you know, and this is, it's, yeah. So I highly recommend them. They're not inexpensive. I will say this. Um, it's like 50 bucks for a case of four mats and there's 30 sheets in each mat, um, that you can rip off. But, um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's well worth it. I think this this case of four mats at thirty sheets will probably last me at least a year, maybe a little longer. So there you go. Cool. Yep. And how how big are they? They're like doorway size. Yeah, well, a little bit bigger. It's twenty. The ones I bought are twenty four inches by thirty six inches, so it's okay. thirty six inches across. Yeah, so that more than covers my door. You're not going to miss it stepping yeah. through the door. You're going to step yeah. on it on purpose. Like 
And cool. what I've been impressed with is I haven't seen any bugs stuck to it. So that was the one thing I was worried about. So it's uh, not attracting them, at least. Yeah, exactly. At least it's not attracting them. Yeah, and I haven't found any stuck to them. So um, that was kind of a concern, you know, basically putting a big sheet of flypaper down. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I suppose you could also, couldn't you just lay down and use it like one of those, uh, like a stationary cat <laughs> roller? I mean, could you sort of really get all your nooks and crannies too i mean that's a pretty clever idea hey. I was just using it for your feet i have never thought or heard of that before uh, i'm in a position where my shop is a thousand feet walk through the woods so things just yeah. kind of come off me naturally but um but yeah that's that's a that's a pretty brilliant idea if you need to really get yourself clean going from your shop you know if it's inside your house or yeah you know, connected in a really intimate way yeah yeah my shops basically it's it's not a basement shop but for all intents and purposes it is a basement is. shop yeah but uh yeah so it's absolutely fantastic and yeah like yeah stick one to the back of the door you don't have to roll around you can like wipe your <laughs> yeah. feet and, ro and roll yeah. against the door at the same time <laughs> just shoulder to shoulder off your back and then once across yeah. the front and yeah i think you've got an idea there josh maybe something like a, a flexible curtain you just wrap yourself in it and give yourself a little hug and then you just rip it off and off you go oh, no i like to say yeah no I, I yeah i think we've struck gold here yeah, yeah. Yep. we're gonna be rich short of yeah. a short of a you know it, and then you know a safe door you go in and air blast everything off and then you walk through another door you know it's like a pressurized room like you're some sort of clean room cleansing you know this is a simpler thing but yeah just to see, I mean, if you stick one to the wall, how effective is that if you just rub your, your shoulders across it? That's why you need a curtain, a yep. sticky curtain. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I think... Uh, I mean, you know you what? Know. What's the what's the low-stick 3M adhesive, right? Yeah, that's basically the, what this stuff is, yeah. Not the 77. There's something a little lo less grabby. Whatever's you know, on maybe. the Post-it notes. Yeah, I mean, that kind of <laughs> adhesive. You put that on a shower curtain and just hug it or have it, you know, wrap it around you. And, uh, yeah. There you go. Now, you, now, just not your feet, but also your your clothing. <laughs> Golden. I don't know. That's the an SNL um, skit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, there. You know what it is? There's probably some some uh, suspense horror film that that's a plot point. <laughs> the fly. Does he yeah. get stuck in flypaper? Stuck in flypaper. Yeah. Some <laughs> something like that. So no need to replicate that kind of thing. But <laughs> I think you're well on your way by putting a sticky mat outside your door to just to get it off your feet. Yep. And especially okay. for those that work with hand tools, the shavings, you know, cling to everything. Yep. You know. And uh, of course, I found these on Amazon. And uh, I think when I first mentioned these, uh, Mark brought up the point that yeah, I'm not sure if these things are recyclable at all. But hey, you know, it works. So. Yep. You can't recycle a marriage. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or you can. It's just even more expensive than throwing away the paper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but no, I have been, I have been really, really impressed with uh, how they, how they worked out. So highly recommend that if your shop is in a similar format as mine. So, but moving right along. So Josh, uh, what's, what have you been working on in the shop? Let me just jump in real quick here. Josh Swan's audio is a little rough here at the beginning, but it clears up after a few minutes. Now back to the show. Oh boy. Well, this time of year, uh, it's sort of like harvest time in terms of boat building. Um, you know, there's just a lot of uh, winter work and spring. Um, so right now in the shop, I've got, and just kind of year to year with repeat clients and customers, 
Um, but in terms of new work, um, I've got a pretty neat, it's a 26 foot, it's called the Nordic folk boat. It's a traditionally built, you know, plank on frame lap strake sailboat, um, really neat owner. Um, it needs some backbone work. So I removed, you know, the bottom couple rows of planking, uh, replacing all new frame heels. So those are steam bent pieces of white oak that tie into the keel, uh, mm-hmm. floor timbers. Uh, which is they attach, they hold keel bolt. There's a cast iron uh, ballast. So I've got to replace those uh, floor timbers. Um, so that's in for some decent structural work. Um, I've got a couple of really uh, pretty historic canoes uh, from a, a lodge about an hour away on the Brule River. Um, some families, there's a kind of a land holding. So there's some these neat old canoes, um, some bigger, some just annual maintenance on some boats that I've rebuilt or restored in the past. Um, a big Chris Craft about a 33 foot cabin cruiser that needs repainting. Uh, another uh, a, a yawl, a Carvel plank yawl. So it's again mechanically fastened, but it's smooth on the outside rather than uh, a lap strip, which almost looks like clabbers on a house. Mm-hmm. Um, that needs some work. Um, and then starting some, and then I've got a lot of boat lumber on me. Um, and I'm, I'm what I'm excited about is in oh, probably middle of June. I'm going to be starting uh, some new construction. So I'm going to be building a replica of um, just a, it's a little 15 foot rowing skiff. Uh, it's for a, a guy. He's a retired police chief or excuse me, fire chief, but he was a lifeguard uh, in Milwaukee County down on Lake Michigan in the late seventies and, and used these boats. This was part of their fleet down there when he was in college and just loved, loved these boats and had some photos and some principal dimension. And so he got in touch with me uh about building a replica so i was able to use those photos and on the drafting table kind of just sketch out a set of lines make a scale model tune that model up uh make a what's called a table of offsets so then i can draw it out full size and so that's the next step in here in in early june is i'll draw it out full size a process called lofting and then from that i can build a set of station molds and then start to build the boat uh you know around those molds so i'm i really enjoy new construction so any chance i can get to to build a new boat uh i get excited for it i mean i'm you know i at um you know build, you know rebuilding restoring repairing boats uh certainly pays the bills but it is just satisfying to, to start from scratch oh that, that is, is really cool yeah yeah you got a lot going on the, <laughs> the, yeah the, the, the lumber well and what's interesting is the lumber side of things i mean i just you know and i've learned i'm sure you guys have have done this too I and mean, we've all kind of learned the hard way and and you know i try and keep my focus just as narrow as possible and even getting more into supplying boat lumber um you know i just really want to keep it within the framework of wooden boats but i've got you know neighbor you know with the prices of dimensional lumber right now i've got a, you know a couple of neighbors who it's hard to say no to neighbors and they've got some you know they're bringing me piles of white and red pine for two by fours and one by stock so i've got i'm sort of <laughs> kind of temporarily turned into you know josh's dimensional you know you know lumber saw yard as well so uh, hopefully i can kind of clear the deck for that uh, and then just politely start saying no because uh again um you know sometimes when you try and make everybody happy you make nobody happy so uh, right. yeah, yeah. No, but again spring in my world and in boat you know in, in terms of a boat shop spring is definitely you know crunch time there's always kind of a rush uh you know, I live in a spot where the winters are very long. So going into fall and early winter, I try and manage my time as well as possible and, and really anticipate that winter calendar. And even mm-hmm. then, I, I get behind. There are some days, you know, I want to play hooky and go do some cross-country skiing or, 
one of our boys, you know, I try and budget in some, some, you know, that kind of inefficiency or, or goof off time, but inevitably, and I'm getting better, but, but still spring is always, uh, uh it's, it can get a little crazy. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. everyone, yeah. Everyone wants their boat on the water by the summer. Early yeah. Summer. And, yeah. And, and to, um, and likewise up here, it's been really, I mean, last year at this time, we still had snow melting on the ground and this year it's been a really early spring. And so I always kind of bank on, uh, real, you know, the ice not going out until late <laughs> April or yeah. even early May, we, you know, we still had ice in on both Lake Superior and Inland Lakes. And this year is just totally the opposite. And so just a kind of a, you know, a bunch of contributing factors coming together are, keeping our sons home, you know, they're enrolled in school, but home for, with COVID. And um, so there's just more moving parts in terms of this extra 40 hours a week of parenting that has to happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. I mean, these are sort of first world problems, but uh, yeah, coupling that with uh, a, a real early spring. Yeah. Everyone's really eager to get out. You know, they're getting, they're getting a little, you know, pretty, you know, a lot of cabin fever and then this warm weather. So, yeah, all of a sudden, it's just the switch got flipped in terms of people wanting their boats. Yeah, hmm. Wow. And are you the only shop in town? Yeah, kinda? there's one. Pretty much. I mean, there's one other um, uh, great guy. He's uh, up uh, maybe, uh, 15 miles away. But, yeah, no, it's I mean, it's this kind of vestige of the past. And so there's not I mean, it's. It uh, on the one hand, it's nice because I don't have to appeal to a lot of people, and there is not a lot of other people doing that. Um, so it's it, it's good, and then it keeps me busy. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely projects um, or situations that I would love to be able to um, just have a a good list of people that I could just refer, um, uh, you know, someone to, and mm-hmm. I try and do that as much as possible. Um, and I. And, and I was lucky uh, where I got some help this winter, a, a really good boat builder. Uh, she's in the shop three days a week. And that's been um, that's been a really big help uh, this winter and, and this spring. And she really likes painting and varnishing. And I'm reasonably competent at it, but I'd much rather do other things. So it's uh, it's that's been a pretty good fit. Oh, cool. Very cool. Well, so how did you initially get into boat building? Because that seems to be a uh, <laughs> an interesting sideline. I've looked at it quite a few times going, yeah, do I want to build my own canoe or something like that? And I start looking at it and I go, wow, even with me putting in the labor, this is going to be damn expensive. <laughs> well, like, yeah, first of all, you should. You absolutely should build your own canoe. Just you won't regret it. It'll be the best. But now I know someone that can made. supply me with the lumber. So this is great. Right. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, no, I, you know, it's kind of, a, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a funny sort of confluence of, um, I was always into, I always enjoyed woodworking. Uh, it wasn't called really hand tool woodworking growing up. I just enjoyed woodworking. And then, uh, I mean, if I'm going to be brutally honest, it was probably, you know, that coupled with, uh, you know, listening to uh, a ton of this whimsical uh canadian folk singer from nova scotia named stan rogers back Mm -hmm. when i was you know eighth grader freshman in high school and um so when i was out of high school and kind of had a cup of coffee with college but it just wasn't a good fit i was a long way from home i was lonely anyway um you know just you know i wanted to you know pursue woodworking as, as, as a vocation 
Um, and I thought that if I could, and I was just kind of filled with, you know, a bit of romance in terms of, again, these sort of songs in the back of my head and, and you know, Stan Rogers. And I just felt like if I could build a wooden boat, that those skills would be relevant and transferable to some career in woodworking. But then I moved out to um, Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, I was a two-year program, um, the International Yacht Restoration School. At that time, it was this kind of amalgam of school, shipyard, museum, kind of open to the public. Um, mm-hmm. And I just immediately fell in love with building and working on wooden boats. It just I didn't want to do anything else. And so, you know, I went there. Most people had a background in sailing or being on the water. And I mean, I grew up on the water some, but really my, you know, my background was you know I or and my desire was to be in a shop and be working and I did I just I fell in love with the rules and the disciplines and the logic of of wooden boat building I mean I I I'd much rather build a boat or hang planks than be confronted with trying to build uh, cabinets or things that are square they're just they're way more of a challenge <laughs> boat building is it, it's it's you know it's um, I know it looks very mysterious, but there's um, just the the there's there's rule the there's tricks to it. There's it's it's you know when it's broken down and kind of distilled down um, you know step by step. There's no one step that really that hard or out of reach or you know you're not working certain mm-hmm. tolerances that are really um, you know there's that are really challenging um, for the most part. So. It just really appealed to me, and I, for, and after that, I just didn't want to do anything else. And yeah. just, yep, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, it's similar to winter chair making because people look at that and go, "Oh, chairs are so difficult." Well, yeah, the, it's yeah, you're dealing with angles and stuff, but yeah, they're doable, and there's a lot of give and the tolerances and you know so forth and so on. So yeah, I can see how that uh, that would relate to my mind. Oh, well, for sure. You know, um, John Gardner, who was the, he kind of was sort of really brought back the small craft renaissance. He was in Mm -hmm. charge of the small craft shop at Mystic, Connecticut. And and he took, you know, one of his axioms was, you know, with wooden boat construction, you know, if it looks right, it is right. And the same is true Mm -hmm. with the Windsor chair, right? If you're, if you're bending it home back or something's got a lump in it or not, you know, you're going to fix that. Or if you're, you know, shaping a seat, it's not so much that you're shaping a seat or a piece to an exact dimension, you're, you're, you know, feeling it for fairness, you know, and you're using hand tools, which that's one of the things I really like about boat building. You're using hand tools to achieve fair surfaces in a way that uh, does, uh, you know, as good a job as anything else and is also really satisfying, um, yeah. you know, just in terms of the process. So, no, mm-hmm. there is a lot of parallels between uh, the and also just the, the systems of using uh, green wood and dry wood and, you know, moisture content and using that to, to your advantage as an asset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, well, how did you get over there from the East Coast to where you are now and start your, your company, J.W. Sure. Swan and Sons? Well, I, gr- I originally grew up in a little town. Well, not so little. Uh, a town about three hours south of where I live now in, in West Central Wisconsin. So I grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh-huh, and then, okay. yep. And so uh, after high school, um, again, kind of moved away and then moved back. And then uh, with kind of this plan of, of moving out uh, to Rhode Island, I'd gone out there and visited. So then I moved out there in, I think, 2000. Uh, I was maybe 19. And um, I always, you know, I was 
sort of a proud son of the Badger State. <laughs> and so, I, mean, I, never, I was out. I was out east for. I lived out in Rhode Island and upstate New York. And I mean, I never changed my Wisconsin plates on my truck. I just, you know, I was. I was just very proudly from. You know, I pronounce everything with hard R's, like Worcester and you know Dorchester, and just just because I was young and you know wanted to maintain the you know you know sort of re- sense of regionalism. But anyway, so I. Um, I, you know, I always had an idea that I it never, I mean, I loved living out there, but, and, and honestly, part of the reason why I wanted to learn a vocation was to live in Northern Wisconsin, um, knowing that I wasn't going to be a professional, but to have some kind of craft or trade where I could earn a living. And so, I mean, I, it was kind of unfocused and vague, but I sort of had that kicking around in the back of my head. And um, I actually wasn't planning on moving back uh, when I did, but my now wife, she came along with my a couple of really good childhood friends uh, who were driving out to visit me. And she was the roommate of my best friend's uh, uh, now wife, and they did, were, had dated since high school. Anyway, so her, she came out, She would, they were in, all in school at UW-Madison, and, and I had a job lined up actually in Nova Scotia in Canada. But then bailed on that, and after I met her, and then moved back to to Madison. So we were briefly in Madison. She finished grad school, and then actually the day she finished, we had a U-Haul loaded up, and we moved up to to Ashland in the Shawamigan Bay, right on the South Shore of Lake Superior. And gosh, we've been here for 15 years now. So yeah, and I mean it's it's much like home as any. I mean, and I, I you know I can't imagine living anywhere else. Oh, well, that's great. That's awesome. fantastic. Well, well, tell us about some of the types of boats. I know you uh, do, um, you know, reconstruction or on a number of different boats, but what, um, when you're uh, doing new boats, what types of boats do you like to build? Sure. Yeah, no, um, you know, how I was trained and it was kind of a, uh, it was a little bit of a vacuum, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where I, I learned that in that, um, you know, it was a, a focus on hand tools it was plank on frame construction, meaning, you know, you've got some type of framing, be it like a steam bent, you know, frame mm-hmm. or a sawn frame, you know, some people would call it a rib. Um, and then there's planking that's fit around that. That's all mechanically fastened. So no fiberglass, no epoxy, no cold mm-hmm. molding. Um, and so kind of for better or worse, that's informed a little bit, you know, I've, I've broadened some just I've had to as a reality, but that's always kind of informed the type of product that I really like to do. And so, um, you know, the, most of my construction is that type of plank on frame construction. Um, so lap straight, you know, small lap straight boats, um, wood canvas canoes, the, those are really popular, you know, in the inland lakes, you know, in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Michigan. Um, I've built forums where I've built new wooden canvas canoes, um, do a lot of, do a lot of restoration on those. I, I tend to try and pass that along to other folks that I know. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, and I'm building boats, you know, anywhere from, oh, about 13 to 25 feet, uh, okay. in terms of my shop capacity, um, not so much my space. I've got a nice long, the shop I built has sort of one side is 32 by 50, um, and there's kind of a long uh, a bay that's uh, 20 feet wide and 50 feet long with 14-foot ceilings. Um, so I could get bigger boats in there, and I have. But because I, up until recently, worked alone, um, anything longer than about 25 feet, and I'm just sort of taxed <laughs> in terms of <laughs> staring down the barrel at, you know, gosh, it's, you know, 2,500 hours, 3,000, you know, I mean, I'll, you know, the hours can 
pretty overwhelming when it's just me. So I the small crafts, you know, yeah. so, uh, pleasure, pleasure rowboats, uh, small sailboats, uh, and I, you know, I'll do uh, glued lapstrake construction, which that uses marine plywood, um, and, and it's built in a similar way and looks similar to uh, plank on frame lapstrake construction, but the plywood is obviously it's got a it's incredibly dimensionally stable and right. the 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 laps are glued together so in this climate where there's big swings from you know seasonal uh relative humidity changes um which can be a little bit of a challenge you know i spent time in working in norway and uh, building boats there and so oh cool um, yep yeah that was back in 2006 i believe and uh and in fact i just i had a couple of really cool boats that were built in Norway uh, in my shop uh, this last winter. And, and actually the guy, I took lines off of them and he wants me to, I'm excited to build a replica, at least one of them, because he likes them so much. But I'm going to need to do things a little bit different to, uh, you know, so that they'll function a little bit better in this climate. You know, it's in Norway, it's always humid over there and the boat's right. in the water 10 months out of the year. So, you know, I, as I've, you know, worked over the years, and I'm way less of a fundamentalist than I was at like 21, 22, <laughs> and uh, recognize the virtue of different types of construction, and so and and embrace that for a while now. So I mean, while I really like plank on frame construction, I just really recognize the virtues of other types of building, especially in this climate. And ultimately, you know, I want to make that customer happy. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're investing, you know, a good deal of money and, and, not, and it's an mm-hmm. emotional investment for them too. So, Oh yeah. Well, let me ask you this, cause I've always been curious about this. So how long does it take you to build a typical boat? I know that's a real open-ended question. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, no, I have the same question for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so it's, it, is it's, it hours it's, per foot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, for for all, you know, for our purposes, I mean, I would say, you know, you would be looking at building either a strip-built canoe, a glued lapstrip canoe, strip built kayak, um, you know, something along those lines. So let's take a boat that's like 16 feet open, um, you know, a, a, a glued lap straight can and um, or rowboat, which would yeah. be a, maybe a little bit beamier and have a transom. So a few more moving parts in terms of the backbone. Um, you know, if it were uh, or even a, a, a plank on frame uh, lap straight boat, um, you know, you're, you know, uh, you're looking at like, Oh gosh, anywhere from, I mean, starting, you know, uh, the learning curve is always going to be steepest on the first one. Yeah. First one like that. I mean, I could be for, you know, you'd probably be at like 400 hours, 500 hours, um, you know, start to finish. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that would, that would involve drawing the boat out full size. I described that earlier, that process called lofting, which I love. It's just such Mm -hmm. a, you're building the boat, I mean, so lofting happens. um, the way I do it is I, uh, get sheets of just quarter inch plywood, paint them white and you lay, they're like pieces of paper then and you fasten them down on the floor and create a grid system. And you know, that are, it's given to you on a, a, a set of scale drawings. And then you basically plot points on these grids and there's three views. There's the half breadth view. So that's like, if you were to cut the boat in half and you were going to mm-hmm. stare down at it from above um, the profile view. So looking at the boat from the side, and then a sectional view or the body plan where, you know, it's, it's slices of the boat. And so for a boat, a project where you'd also be lofting, so it wouldn't be from a kit, um, you know, that adds time. 
but boy, it's just such a neat way to like get inside the lines of a boat. You built it and you just really understand it. And so it makes the rest of the process, I think, go easier. So I'm including, you know, lofting station molds. So I'm in that four or 500 hours is from, you know, not, you know, a kit or not, you know, I mean, that's really starting from, you know, a set of plans and a pile of lumber. Yeah. Yeah, you so, can totally do it. I mean, you could do it in a winter. I mean, you could start in, you know, fall and have a, mm-hmm. a boat ready to go, uh, you know, put in the water in, in the spring. I mean, that's just a, a you know, just that, that seasonality, um, you know, there, it's it's very doable. So, Mark, as you know me, that's going to be what, five, <laughs> eight years? What, what do you think? Well, you got to finish the rocker first. Yeah, well, and, that's and, true. And post a video about your jigs. And so that's what, two years. And then... <laughs> <laughs> well, well no, i mean i if i hear that number and i think oh lord that's that's just um a lot but i wasn't thinking about you know lofting it and um that's there's a big learning curve there too so yeah but well, i can I'm, definitely understand that once you do that the construction piece of it is going to be a lot easier because you really like you said you really understand the the um uh, I guess the the spine, the the uh, guts of the boat, so to speak. For well, sure. just intersections and 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 what lines, you know, what what these lines, you know, represent. And and honestly, the first time I so I was nineteen, the first time I ever I took the lines off of a beetle cat, which is a little thirteen foot uh, cat boat, a little day sailor, and and lofted a boat. I mean, it was just this epiphanal moment. I mean, it just <laughs> it changed the way I looked at the world. It was, you know, I think it you know, for anybody who's doing woodworking, um, just that, that lofting process is the, you know, you, you unlock shapes, um, in, in, in dissect shapes and these three-dimensional, you know, these kind of complicated looking things and you break them down. Um, and, and it just, it really, I think it's, it's, it's really instructive and, 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 and just really boosted, um, just, you know, confidence and critical thinking skills, you know, it's a, uh, it just, it, like I said, it just, it, it, it was an epiphanal moment. <laughs> it really, uh, and so any, I would encourage anybody who's interested in woodworking, you know, go through that process, uh, just mm-hmm. even on its own as an exercise. It's, uh, um, it, it just, it's really satisfying when you come out on the other side. Yeah, exactly. And I know you offer some workshops in that and we'll get into those in a minute, but, um, yeah, real, real quick, just so given the timetable of 400 hours, uh, how many could you possibly do in a year? And is it, is there ever a year where you're constantly one to the next, to the next, to the next building a new boat? I'd like to be. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm full on, you know, and, and especially new construction. I mean, and you guys know this, that there's, you know, definitely efficiency in batching things out. So even for example, this boat that I'm going to be building this summer, and I, and I tell this to myself every time and I, and I don't do it often enough. And that is, if I'm going to build one boat, I should just build two. Um, because then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. that math really changes. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's, there's boats. This has always been kind of a pipe dream of mine. I've just, I haven't gotten there yet because I'm too busy saying yes to other stuff. But, uh, and that's just to have a catalog of about four or five boats that I really like that really fit a variety of situations, you know, be it, you know, on big waters, you know, of Lake Superior or inland lakes or inland rivers. And, um, and then those I could build, you know, one after the next or build, you know, sort of three kind of concurrently at a time, you know, just 
kind of batch them out in a different sure. way. I mean, it's it, it really it's it it scales up that way. You know, whether you're making um, if you're going to build one little you know, tool tote or a box, you should six. You know, the same is more or less true for for small craft. I mean, bigger boats then you know gets exponential. But for yeah, you know, something sure. that's sixteen or maybe even eighteen feet and under. Um, I'd love like what you're describing, kind of building one. I, you know, I'd love mm-hmm. to just have this sort of. Um, well, and we can talk about this in a bit, but especially you know, I was describing you know seasonality, and you know, yeah. once the weather gets cold, I'm kind of super. So I mean, I rolled the odometer over on forty, so I'm I'm kind of I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, kind of super soft these days. So when it gets cold, I want to be in my shop where it's cozy. You know, I don't want to be out working, and so to have, I'd love to have you know, a winter's worth of new boat orders that I just put off, you know, start, say, I don't know, a week, two weeks before Thanksgiving. And then that carries me through till say, oh, you know, May 1st. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I have that, but it's with a combination of restoration, repair, and some new construction. But yeah, I'd love, if I could, I would love to just have it all be new construction. That'd be awesome. That would. Now you have diversified out and you actually sell, you mentioned it earlier, but you actually have a timber business where you, uh, you actually sell wood. Um, and I guess that's primarily for boat builders, but I think you will sell to others. And, uh, so tell us a little bit about, um, your timber business and what you offer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of fell into it uh, a little bit by accident. Um, many years ago, I needed, uh, uh, well, I call them Tamarack, but it, it gets referred to as Hackman Attack Out East or, or Larch out okay. West. It's a, a deciduous conifer. So it's the people's, you know, it's the pine tree that loses its needles in the fall. You know, it turns kind of gold and sheds its needles. Okay. Um, but it's a, it's a Tamarack. Uh, that's what we call it here. Uh, and so piece of the Tamarack tree where that root system goes into the ground or oftentimes, and they grow in boreal swamp, um, those get used in all types of boat construction, large and smaller, or, or did formerly. Um, and I needed some and, and for a project. And there was one guy I knew about in Maine who I dealt with in the early 2000s uh, when I worked at uh, the Adirondack Museum. I was building a guide boat out there and um, I needed rib stock and stem stock. And so I ordered, but he had passed away. And in Bayfield County and, and surrounding counties, Sawyer County, where I live, there's a, a lot of tamarack and there's just a, you know, we just have a, I mean, there's just a lot of it out in the woods. There's just a lot of inventory out there. And I've got um, three of my really, really close friends, good buddies that, you know, I've been friends with forever up here. They're all public sector foresters. And uh, one of them, uh, I was able to uh, work out a deal. And anyway, I was able to get permitted to, to harvest some, harvest tamarack for a project that I had in there. And so I, you know, cut some and really enjoyed it. And I've always enjoyed that kind of primary processing side of things, even out east. I really liked mm-hmm. visiting little sawmills, um, you know, trips. I'd take trips up into, you know, northwestern Massachusetts and New Hampshire and, you know, uh, rural Connecticut. I just love visiting, you know, those little places. And so, uh, you know, I, it was just a lot of fun to go out and harvest some for myself. And then buddies out east, guys who build, you know, work on boats or own boatyards, kind of caught, was telling them about it. And they got excited and asked me if, you know, could I get them some? And, and so, you know, I started with a, you know, a chainsaw mill and, you know, just pretty, just a kind of a pretty, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse setup. Um, and then from there, I just, it got really busy. Uh, and I, I really enjoy, I mean, I sort of joke and, you know, I'll sort of self-effacingly say that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dumb enough to enjoy it because I'm sort of out in these, 
you're at these boreal swamps <laughs> and it's like super uneven and and you know i've gone done some chainsaw safety you know the, the kind of game of logging and bore cutting so and a lot of safety gear but even then like it's it's kind of dangerous and and it's it's can be really buggy or really cold you know just just getting sprayed with a rooster tail of muddy water from the chainsaw plunging <laughs> i mean it's just it's like donkey work i mean it's just straight up donkey work. Oh, but geez. i really but i just really enjoy it and so i just started cutting more and more tamarack and just got busier and busier and then people and i would sell it and and then folks started asking me about you know, planking stock so you know, around us, we, you know, still have some northern whites um, that was used, uh, you know, bow planking stock. Um, Wisconsin has just an amazing inventory of white oak. Uh, there's, you know, just for, for most of the south, it's south of me, but a lot of the state uh, just grows amazing white oak. And um, so I just, people would naturally ask, you know, it just kind of progressed from, you know, selling these tamarack knees um, to boatyards, to schools, to museums. Um, you just private individuals, uh, then it just grew into planking stock. And then, um, you know, most recently just selling a lot more, uh, white oak and just local, you know, mm-hmm. uh, boat lumber that I'm either, you know, I'm buying the logs or I'm, I'm harvesting myself. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, yeah, the tam- it just started with the tamarack and now it's, uh, yeah, white oak. Um, I'm getting into some really nice white pine. Um, long, clear quarter sawn white pine, uh, butternut. Um, and actually, it's funny. I just had a guy today uh, inquire about, I was signing up some butternut about uh, chair seat blanks. And there was kind of just off the pith of log, this one log I was sawing, it was really nice and wide and clear. So I sawed it at a, just a, about, you know, 10 quarter, you know, really right. you know, good, you know, over two inches thick, figuring like, oh, that, that probably makes some nice uh, chair seat stock. So, um, you know, I, I am getting more people interested and, and sent off uh, white oak, uh, you know, that I mill specifically for steam bending. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll, I, people have started to get in touch with me about using that for, for, for non-boat projects where they want to the steam bend lumber. It's kind of, as I was talking earlier about staying focused, I'm, I'm kind of navigating how to sort of, uh, you know, kind of balance, you know, and, I, and I'd like to do it by season, really you know, be in the shop in the, when the weather's bad and then spring, summer and fall, uh, you know, I really like being outside. So being outside right. and, and doing that side of thing, you know, the, the, the milling side of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I looked at, you know, the species that you offer and I got kind of excited. Uh, <laughs> as a chair builder. Yeah. So I, but, I found you through uh, Cape Falcon. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, he says that you, some of the finest white oak bending stock there is and i thought you know kyle has a hard time getting bending stock maybe we ought to talk to this guy yeah and uh sounds like it's worked <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and brought, yeah exactly i mean yeah it, i've, I've me. experimented that's... in building and bending kiln dried stuff and it works but it's a it's a process and it's oh, fraught yeah. with failure <laughs> no you're, you, this will be a game changer i mean any you yeah. know the kiln dried wood i mean it's uh you know kind of described to people about you know lignin and the glue holding wood cells together right. and maybe I, I probably take a little deeper dive than they really want to hear um <laughs> but you know I, i'll just flip my soapbox over and start preaching at them um but yeah it it i mean so for instance for you know in, in working with brian at cape falcon uh, this is another thing where i'm kind of trying to settle into a routine where um you know i want to mill enough oak you know I'll peel off enough boards weekly so once a week so that the wood that I'm processing into rib stock for 
the people buying his plans is no more than about a week old when it goes out the door. And it could mm-hmm. sit, I mean, they could sit on that for two years. And if they just soaked a little bit, it would bend almost as good as if it were fresh, fresh off the stump, like what right. I have. But, wow. um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely, and that's not me. I mean, milling wood for steam bending is not rocket surgery. It's just, no, no. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not some magic or, you know, it's not alchemy. I mean, it seems just like you a, just have to care. You just yeah, care enough yeah, to you follow the grain. Sure there's not a lot of run out. And... Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. I just, I mean, it's like what I, and, and, you know, I always kind of struggled with finding good materials for building my own boats and, and, and uh, a few times it would either get permission or, you know, uh, like in the city of Madison, you know, kind of, poach a white oak log that was had been cut down by the city here or there and and yeah. uh, because otherwise it was just hard to you know it was, it was just hard to get exactly what i wanted and mm-hmm. so it's this it's this kind of goofy little niche and yeah i mean i think it definitely um you know is it, broader than you know boat building windsor chair making you know is a great example i mean you know i could send you some some stock for uh you know arms you mm-hmm. know the, even like the combs or the combat you know that kind of stuff and um no, I mean, it, uh, and it's not me also, it's the, the, you know, glacial deposits and the soil conditions of the state of Wisconsin, right. you know, I mean, it's, just, there's just a really good, uh, oak inventory here. Yeah. Now, now do you dry any of this, um, any of the wood? Sure. So i I've got, I've started just, you know, for boat building, you know, kiln dried wood. I mean, there's, there's situations in, in more composite construction. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, cold molding uh some you know you know strip building although that doesn't necessarily need to be kiln dried where you know you'd want kiln dried lumber but at yeah. most um you know just just air dried lumber so i okay. started really trying to be a little more aggressive about stockpiling and air drying white oak especially and i've got mm-hmm. some black locust uh, but i'm trying to get more black locust uh to you know get that air drying um you what know are you for using example that that, for? uh the black locust could be used for uh parts on the backbone on a boat so the mm-hmm. keel uh stem pieces uh i'll use it um actually interestingly uh, a couple of years ago well this was kiln dried this was a slightly different situation i was able to get some kiln dried i got it milled a certain way and it was kiln dried black locust from southern wisconsin and i was replacing the deck on a um i think it was a th- like about a 30 foot it was a chris craft it was a cabin crew um and it was a constellation was the model so it was you know had this sort of big you know twin engines it was just this big kind of cabin crew classic like late 1950s cabin cruiser and mm-hmm. chris chris craft they're sort of ubiquitous but they're they were a factory and they churned boats out by the hundreds of thousands so they're you know they had boiled down their process they're not you know they're <laughs> they're they're fine boats and all but i mean they would just kind of throw a little technology at them or oh let's try some masonite underneath this deck and see if that works or we're gonna put Mm. some canvas some canvas in between this with some well we'll throw a little lead on it and see if that you know it won't rot as quick so (laughs) some of their intersections so so like the deck on this boat was it was a teak deck and it had this canvas in between like a so it was teak uh a canvas a layer of canvas and then this sort of masonite i don't know you know the the sort of um not celotex but it was a it was it was a composite sheet good it was sort of a dark brown these little fibers glued together yeah. yeah it was something that that clearly was not you know it, was, it had held a up t111 i don't know yeah, basically <laughs> yeah and so the owner of a, a, a really neat guy um he wanted one of well i had to replant the bottom but then the deck was kind of shot 
And so, and he, he had a really neat environmental ethic and I know a lot more tea is plantation grown, but he, you know, he wanted to explore different options. And so I used the black locust. So I had it milled into uh, eight quarter and dried. And then um, I resawed that so that when I laid it down flat, I got, you know, these two inch wide strips that were looked quarter sawn. And I mean, it looks exactly like teak. And I got the difference is one is 30 some dollars a board foot and the locust was 150 a board foot. So hmm. the lo- ah. locust, is, it's, and it's a super strong wood. I mean, it's super rot resistant. Um, I really enjoy using hand tools with it. I know it gets, it kind of has a black eye in terms of being really squirrely and a lot of grain run out. Uh, I'm going to actually be using some of it to make a new tiller on this um, Nordic folk boat in the shop that has a rear hung rudder. So it's just got this big tiller and the tiller on the boat's kind of marginal. So I'll use black locust to replace that. Um, cool. But that's, it's a great, it's not really managed. Um, it tends to just get bulldozed. Uh, so loggers can get to white oak, you know, cause there's just a market for white oak. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's hard to get. Um, but I, it'd, it'd be nice to see it change. Cause I mean, you could use it for, uh, you know, big deck projects for, uh, in like big public situations or, you know, even, you know, people could use it for their own decking. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's got a, it's a, it's a really neat and pretty underutilized wood. So cool. I didn't mean to go off yeah. on a black locust shit there. No, no, you're well, good. well, I'll go off on a butternut tangent. So, so that's uh, available, huh? Yeah. I'm ready to order yeah. some seats right now. I need some, <laughs> for some shave horses that I'm working on. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I've got a, I've got, I mean, again i've sort of fell into this you know i mean it's not growing i mean butternut is just pretty what you know it's kind of disappearing from the landscape right so you know i was but it's still it's super rot resistant um Mm -hmm. i mean i've I've found you know butternut that's been on the ground in the woods for you know five six years and the bark is gone and the sapwood is shot but i'll you know poke my knife into it and the heartwood is super sound um so the stuff i have is large i mean I feel like maybe one or I, I, it was pretty much all standing dead at this point, but I just couldn't pass up buying. a. I, I didn't have a real specific, you know, uh, market for it, but I just couldn't buy it, you know, pass up buying a bunch of a bunch of butternut. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So if you want some seat blanks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think there's, when, uh, when will it be dry? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I either need to build a solar kiln or we just need to kind of mark our calendars for, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll that moisture will peel off pretty quick uh, in the yeah. summer. Um, yeah, air dried's fine, especially if it's already been sitting for a little while. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think you know the stuff that I milled up. I mean, it had a little kind of late moisture in it, but I, you know, it already is a. It's it feels pretty lightweight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you know, so I think a lot of moisture is already out of it. The way it was shedding its bark. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's kind of halfway there already. I'll be well, sending that... you an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Love Thank that. you. Yeah. Yeah, that that is great. Well, well, let's move on. So, tell us um, about some of the workshops you offer. So, I know I noticed uh, you do have some. Um, I guess they're in person workshops. I guess they're going to be starting back up. Hope, possibly, yeah. Possibly. Well, maybe this maybe this fall. You know, I yep. mean, the summer still just felt kind of um, you know yeah. up by us. We've had uh, really good uh, vaccination rates. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like over it's 80 some per, uh, close to 90% of people over 60, you know, there's just, you know, I feel pretty comfortable around here. We've been vaccinated for the last, I got my second Pfizer shot well over a month ago. Uh, but still just, you know, with our boys, I don't know. I still am a little cautious. Oh yeah. That makes and sense. So, but yeah, no, it's just a handful of real boat specific workshops 
Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of one-day workshops. I've you know, I've done some teaching in the past. Uh, I was an instructor at a, a place called the Great Lakes Boat Building School. That's over in the eastern UP. It's a really neat place. I was there for the summer before our son was born, our first son. And then I did, I uh, worked at, uh, when I was in Madison, I worked for a semester in the, actually the furniture design program. We built a, a Carvel Planked uh, Main Coast Peapod. Um, so I, I built that with a group of students. And I've always just really enjoyed that. And so, you know, I, when I threw, you know, my sons on the business name, I also thought, I'm just going to put workshops up there and, and uh, you know, I'm just going to sort of throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And so um, I was pretty excited to offer just a handful of, of boat-specific workshops. So when they do resume, um, you know, things like the fundamentals of lofting, uh, steam bending, and some of those are, again, kind of transferable to other skill sets. Right. Uh, but then, you know, paddle making, um, uh, you know, just some other, you know, boat, uh, making a half-hull model, kind of, you know, learning more about sort of, you know, bolt lines and, and, and through, build, build, you know, making a builder's model. Uh, and so, of course, it's just with a, a real specific focus on uh, wooden boats. Yeah. I love those half-hull mo- models because, um, you know, I live in a coastal town and there's a, a real fancy gift shop that, you know, has all the high-priced items. And they must have maybe 25 of those on the wall that they sell for, <laughs> I don't know, three, 400 bucks a piece, something like that. <laughs> Sure. No, that's yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. They're a blast to make. Yep. I mean, they're it, they're it's. If I could ever you know, retire, I would love to just make half halls in my you know kind of in the evenings or you know when our boys are older and my wife doesn't want to deal with me, I'll just walk down to the shop and make half halls at night. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's it is it's, it's pretty addictive. I mean, you just take any set of plans or even just do it. You know, just start with a block of wood. And uh, no, I mean, I think, and it's also a great way to build the boat, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just another way to 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 build a boat, even if it's not something that you're gonna put in the water. You know, you can just yeah. you really explore all you know the, that process, uh, but in a you know a slightly different way. So mm-hmm. another that yeah, that would be another great project for you. Make a half haul of your canoe, uh, and then and then uh, and then make your canoe. There you all go. right. That's 10 years now. That's probably the only uh, way I'm going to get a built main next 10 years. <laughs> Half well, of well, well, tell me tell me a little bit about your steam bending, because I have seen some boat builders do some steam bending, and these might have been bigger boats, but they were actually bending them in place, putting these big plastic bags over the wood, and then steaming it, and then bending it in place. Yep. So if you're, especially if you're working alone, that's yeah. a really uh, pretty effective uh, way to go. Cause you know, if you're, especially, you know, a long, um, you say you've got a long plank, uh, to hang on a, a boat. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of clamping that has to happen. Um, uh, if it's a Carvel planked boat, so meaning if it's smooth, um, there's a certain amount of edge set you can do, but that requires clamping. And what that is, is, you know, you get a, a plank in place and the planks aren't straight, you know, they're not straight boards. They have a lot of shape to them. It's kind of like mm-hmm. if you peeled it peeled an orange or an onion that what comes off is has these kind of goofy shapes if they're laid out flat so you've got to sort of unfold that back onto the boat and so working alone uh using those uh plastic bags to to capture the heat um you know it just does a really good job because then you're not uh you know the clock's not ticking as much if you pull something out of a box run to a boat and it's this heavy awkward kind of ungainly piece of wood Mm -hmm. Uh, and also it just helps i think too, it also helps really get that temperature high. You know, you're getting as close to uh, right. 
213 is possible. So you're really, really getting that piece of wood uh, limber. You know, you're really liquefying that lignin and just really getting it flexible. Um, yeah. When I worked out east, you know, we or in other bigger yards where you got a lot of manpower, you can throw something in a box. You know, if we'd spring it, you know, a big white oak keel. So you, um, if it wasn't sawn, it would, you'd call it a sprung keel, which means it was steam bent over some kind of framework. Often it was a bunch of pieces of big steel angle iron that you bolted to a lofting floor, you know, around the shape of that, you know, where you define the shape of that keel. So it's got a kind of a big long curve to it. And if you've got 10 guys or 10 folks that you can throw at it, you can do that uh, in a short amount of time. Whereas working alone, the, the plastic bag really opens up a lot of opportunity to, to do bigger stuff uh, more shorthanded or single-handed mm-hmm. even. Yep. So. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen some, um, I guess, more artistic woodworkers are making sculptural pieces use that technique to uh, bend wood into some really unique, um, you know, and very artistic type shapes. I mean, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. But yeah, they're using that same technique, but on a much smaller scale. Well, and it's kind of a, you know, you start steam bending a little bit and it's kind of a gateway drug. You know, you really want to, yeah. like, you really want to explore and take it places. I mean, it is, you're just kind of limited by your own imagination. It's a, it's a really neat, and it's, again, it's not, it's, it's, it's super basic and it's really fun. That's a, it's a really fun thing to teach people, especially kids. Uh, and they just see this light go, you know, cause it, you get to do this thing that, that really looks uh, other work, you know, it really looks mysterious or complicated. And then they realize just how basic it is. Um, and then you can, then you just, you're just off and running. You can just mm-hmm. really, it really explore it in really neat ways. Well, that, that is so cool. Well, so anyway, I think you mentioned this, but tell us a little bit about your shop. What kind of equipment or hand tools or whatnot do you have in there? Sure. Um, well, I'm, so my, yeah, I built my shop uh, on our property uh, about 10 years ago and it's 32 by 50. It's mm-hmm. not, not yet finished. <laughs> it's still a work in progress. I'm sure you guys uh, can relate. And, um, but it, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, I'm kind of always, and boat shops are tricky because you're always somewhat mobile. You know, I could have three 14 foot boats in there or mm-hmm. I could have one 33 foot boat in there if I wanted to. And so I'm always kind of moving stuff around, uh, you know, my equipment, it's, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I should probably stuff starting to kind of fall apart. And, um, it's just an amalgam of some new tools. A lot of you stuff I've picked up over the years. Uh, you know, nothing, you know, nothing super fancy. Um, I mean the, you know, my probably, you know, my big investment was the, the new, the wood miser upgrade I made last mm-hmm. summer from a different wood miser that, and then some material handling equipment outside, you know, big uh, skid steer. But yeah, a lot of, you know, the hand tools is just, I've just kind of collected them over the years. A lot of estate sales, you know, early, back when I lived out e- eBay, um, I'm sort of, I don't know, I, I have a hard time spending a whole lot of money on myself with tools, <laughs> uh, minus <laughs> a few exceptions. So yeah. and I just, I like the process of, you know, tuning up hand planes, you know, tuning up old tools. Uh, I way, way back when I must've been in junior high and my old man had, I don't know, it was like a, um, uh, time life subscription. There were those time life woodworking books uh-huh. and they, they came with a VHS. Cause one of them came with a VHS cassette and one of the segments in it was Mike Dunbar restoring an old hand. And I'm pretty sure I mm. wore that out. I mean, I watched that thing so many times as a kid <laughs> and I would <laughs> take these old hand planes from our garage and kind of tune them up. I didn't really have a good sense of sharpening at that point. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, you know, I, I hit a bit of a wall 
but yeah, I just, you know, the process of uh, taking an old $10 plane and turning it into something that you can do really good work with, uh, I don't know, I, I sort of enjoy. So yeah, other than my, the, the big sawmill, everything is, it's kind of a hodgepodge, but, but um, it seems to, it seems to work and fit. Yeah. Well, one thing I skipped over that I didn't mean to is you also uh, offer consulting services. So anybody, <laughs> anybody listening that, Hey, you, you have a boat, you want to build a boat. I'm sure you would uh, give them the time of day for a uh, specific price. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. So yeah. my, this was my, this was at my wife's uh, uh, strong encouragement, I, you know, and I don't mind helping mm-hmm. people, but I would get calls, um, you know, and they just, it just happened more and more frequently where I would get a call from, gosh, I don't know, just somebody in Pennsylvania, I'm just pick a state yeah. and they'd have a wood canvas canoe and they'd see that on my site, I do this, but maybe, but they would be kind of mildly frustrated that I didn't explain how to do it. <laughs> and, uh, I'd say, well, that's for, how I know, make a living. Agreed my, yeah. yeah. <laughs> agreed upon some of money. I will perform this service for you. But anyway, so she said, we should just, you know, she refers to me as a boat doula, you know, basically like, and, <laughs> and, um, so that's I don't, great. yeah. So like, you know, it's probably, you know, it could be anywhere from, you know, like right now there's just a couple people, uh, per month where, you know, they're building their own boat or restoring their own boat and have questions. Um, there's just a guy down in Florida who did a great job on this neat little tender he picked up in Connecticut. You know, he spent a couple of years doing it and did a gorgeous job. And I would just help him with either some technique or, or helping him understand um, the, the overall process so that, you know, if he was on a step, he could understand, you know, just have some insight into how he was doing that step would affect, you know, something, um, down the line and then just, you know, sourcing some materials like, and so it's, it's pretty basic. It's just, just kind of helping people, uh, navigate, um, you know, through some of those kind of minor barriers. Cool. 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 But she, she had me do that as a way to, when people call, give them a little bit of time. And, and as you can probably tell, I can get a little chatty, um, without, you know, I can give them a little bit of time and then I have a specific thing I can direct them to so that, you know, if they wanted to turn it into something a little bit more formal or had some more questions, there was a, a structure for that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, do you do any other woodworking projects besides boat building? <laughs> uh, it's funny that you mentioned chairs. So when is this back in, was it 08? Was that the sort of the great recession? Yeah. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it sounds I, like you're on my timeline to build chairs. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I had a big project fall through and I was just kind of twisted in the wind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, our son hadn't been born, you know, we didn't have any kids or anything. And so I came out on our property. We hadn't built, I built a house out here a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, we hadn't built, I didn't even have the shop built yet, but I came out and cut down some maple trees and uh, I got I checked out a book from the library on making Windsor chairs and uh, just really. So I had a lathe and just started messing around with it. And uh, I'd like to it was a lot of fun. I made a lot of a lot of chairs, I actually sold some to people in the community. And, and cool. uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that process. I mean, I didn't get into I mean, I was just kind of scratching the surface. And I mean, I don't know how much of a deep dive. I, I mean, I just I see beautiful examples and. And I mean, I don't think, you know, for, I would just kind of 
build chair. You know, I just enjoy building some chairs. Um, but I'd like to do that. But it and our younger son, he really wants to build a. He keeps asking me. We built a little sort of Windsor kind of side table for his bed that he wanted to do and use some milk paint and and some things. But um, but yeah, it'd be fun to make some chairs again. Uh, but I don't know. Again, mm-hmm. my, my that's I'm on that I'm on that ten. So as an example, I build wooden boats. We live on the largest. You know, we've got you know the largest freshwater lake out our back door thousands of i've got well one of them i built so one two i've got five boats and none of them are in commission right now they all are out of commission (laughs) (laughs) so like my family wants to get out on the water and i've got you know we have to go borrow somebody's boat i mean it's really (laughs) super embarrassing It, it it is the the literal oh not literal it is the the exact same thing as the cobbler's kids have no shoes oh i know, you know? And, yeah. and it is the problem when you're so busy making repairing designing yada 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 you know you don't have time for your own no That's i know <laughs> yep so it is it's yeah. just you know, or it, if you do make something for yourself you end up selling it yeah you know, that too exactly. yep. yeah. so, no, or you just feel extremely guilty doing it you know like it's that's that slack you need to build that slack in yep um, no i know I'm, I'm trying to be better at that but then having these other things broaden in scope like mill lane you know it's just this uh, yeah i'm i'm not succeeding <laughs> so <laughs> in terms of budgeting my own name for working on those types i mean those types of projects and again you you know turn 40 and things sort of have uh they 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 you start to view them through a slightly different lens so anyway in terms yeah. of urgent in terms of i should probably should probably get that done i mean you know, mm-hmm. how many I can, you know, I've got, you know, my fingers and toes, that's 20 summers, then I'll be 60. So I start to, you know, I, I feel like I need to get to this stuff sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else upcoming for yourself or your company that you hadn't mentioned yet? No, no, no. I mean, that's, you know, you, you know, I, again, really appreciate um, your, your time on, you know, having me on um, and, and great questions. And no, I think that was really thorough and kind of walk through everything okay. that I do. So no, and uh, this has been, again, you guys get some real, you know, name brand, uh, you know, you know, kind of personalities on here. So I really, <laughs> I really appreciate oh. the, the opportunity. No, this is no, well, for well, sure. It, real yeah. Case. You're, you're the first bolt builder that we've had and it's always fascinating me. So this has been a great conversation. Yeah. And, and it's, it's great to, to hear from you and you honestly, I mean, I, I hope this conversation can maybe spur some business for you in some small way. Because no, I, yeah, no, I mean, if you, you certainly have an audience, so yeah. I'd well, if you that. if you couldn't if you couldn't sense both you know Kyle and Mark's salivation, <laughs> <laughs> it's you out at least there. Got two new customers, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's funny. I, mean, I, I tell people part of part of me thinks I should have bought that Woodmiser my first day in business, you know. But uh, you know, better late than never. But no, it's been oh, a, it's, yeah. that's been a really neat addition. I've really enjoyed um, just that it gets me outside. I've really enjoyed that aspect and also helping facilitate uh getting you know people lumber for their projects which is a you know is a barrier you know the steam bending white oak it it, that is a that has been a barrier for folks so it's been really neat to see people send me their photos of the boats they've done and get out on the water um that's just it's really it's really satisfying to be able to offer that uh, oh i imagine all right well thanks well let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices okay and I'll start off. I went for a blast from the past. Oh. Okay, so when Bad I was dog 2020. 
when I was in college, <laughs> I won't say when I was in high school, but I'll say when I was in college, if we wanted a fancy beer, there were two choices, Heineken or Lohenbrau. Mm-hmm. So I happened to see Heineken there and I wanted just a nice light beer for tonight. And I went, you know, it's probably been 10 years since I had a Heineken. So I bought some Heineken and, and um, yeah, that's all right. It's all right. It's good. You know, it's fine. (laughs) That that one is the funniest to me because I've had Heineken from time to time, and it is the it it is the the light thin beer that seems special, but it's like, is it really good? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if I was drinking um, a Miller Lite or a Miller, I don't know if I'd be able to tell that much difference. It's a mm-hmm. little cleaner, I, I would think. But um, yes, cleaner. Uh, yeah, maybe thinner it, it, might be the a word yeah. to describe it. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. It, w- it was, you know, I was going through there. Um, you know, now that we've had our mask off for, it was so funny. Oh, you it, savage. Yeah, I know. Like Tuesday, I was in Lowe's and everybody was masked up except for, I think, about two people in there. And then Friday, I went to Lowe's and everybody (laughs) was unmasked except for the employees. (laughs) We're wild and free. So, so, uh, yeah. So I went up to our our local Quickie Mart and um, went in there and went, wow, they remodeled. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah, like, how, how many... their beer section. And I was looking at all these craft beers that they had there. And then I saw this Heineken. I went, you know what? Like I said, it's been probably a decade since I've had a Heineken. Let me try that. What the hell? Not bad. Yeah. So, Sean, what are you drinking? Well, uh, going along the light beer and common beer thing, because Heineken is not hard to come by these days. And neither is Miller Lite. And I've got Miller Lite. Nice and easy. Same thing. It's basically water. <laughs> you know, but uh, it, it, it fits the bill on, a, on an even night. I'm too tired to go to the store right now. So this is what I have in the fridge. Mark, how about you? Well, I had to go grocery shopping this week. Uh, my wife is doing field work. So um, she's been pretty busy. And we, we were running low on groceries. And I, I actually went the other way this week. I, I went for an extremely local uh, beer from 4 by 4 Brewing Company called Summer Crush. And it's a, a double dry hopped session IPA, and it's it's okay. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's it's very hoppy. Um, so a little, but, little cloying, little it grabs you a little bit. Nah, yeah, I mean it's got some bitterness to it, but it just it didn't knock me out. It's not something I'm going to buy again. So it's it's no loss that you folks out there probably won't be able to find it <laughs> where you live. <laughs> Josh, how about you? Well. Yeah, so I'm drinking something from Superior, which is uh, the sister city to Duluth. It's on the Wisconsin side, called the Twin Ports. It's uh, Earthrider Beer, uh, Earthrider mm-hmm. Brewery, and it's a it's a pale ale. and And I'm a sucker for marketing, and they make really good beer. But it's mm-hmm. got uh, the the it's it's sort of a woodcut of a of a guy, you know, this sort of salty character, you know, with the sou'wester in this wooden skiff. Kind of climbing up uh, this, the you know this wave, and it's you know dark blues and black. So uh, mm-hmm. I, again, I mean that kind of packaging, I'm just uh, kind of like a moth to the flame. So, <laughs> but I can appreciate. It's it's funny, as, I, as I get older, though, you know that the you know I think of, and I've been doing this more and more, like just yeah, the super light or some a session or low cal or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. even like there's even like some like like 
high like NA like hazy IPAs that buddies have given me that are sort of these game changers. You know, it's sort of I don't know if you guys ever listen to Mark Marin, but he needs his vanilla cut for his Ben and Jerry's. So I sort of <laughs> feel like I uh you know, it's kind of my vanilla cut, you know, is is yeah. like a, you know, just a really light um, you know, either a session beer or something that's kind of, you know, low, low ABV or or low cal anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I should be I should be focusing on those, but I don't normally do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go I go back and forth, but uh, yeah, it's uh, but like I said, I just went for the Heineken this time. But I was thinking about that because you know I mentioned you know when I when I was of a certain age, it was Heineken or Lowenbrow. Is Lowenbrow even a thing? Anyway? I was yeah. seeing you, when you, you said that, Lohenbrow. I was wondering which one you were going to pull from. I was thinking I, it was Lowenbrow. That's what I would have gotten. Yeah, but I haven't yeah. seen Lowenbrow, and I, I can't remember. Either. Yeah, you know, so maybe not. It's yeah. probably from Wisconsin. Well, it's, <laughs> uh, is that the one with the you know? No, I'm thinking a St. Pauli girl has a, no, uh, yeah. a specific yeah. image that yeah, yep, okay. yes, yep. Yeah, no, Lowenbrow Lohen, was uh, something it's like kind of a crest, uh, right, or a coat of arms. I think it's a dragon, like oh, a, that's a lion. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. standing on its yeah. legs. It's from it's yeah. Anheuser Busch. It's from Munich. Of course, it is now. Yep, it's a lion, <laughs> lion standing on its back. Lions Lower brow. Okay. That's what it's called. It's originally from Munich, though. Yeah. It's just yeah. owned Mission. by Anheuser. Yeah, because they used to have this thing in the 80s uh, commercial with, like it's, you know, some some special night or it's something like that. Tis the night for Lowenbrow or something. I don't know. It's the official memories. beer of the Munich Oktoberfest. So apparently you can still get it in Munich. Okay. I don't okay. know if it's here in America. I have to look for it the next time I'm out. Yeah, I I, I haven't seen it. You know, they had Lowenbrow and then Lowenbrow Dark, you know, if you were feeling you know extra special so <laughs> yeah no looking yeah. for it and uh in my area it says bummer no nearby places have this beer so uh, no little alone proud for me all right next time we're in munich we'll have to look for it well fantastic well so josh should folks want to uh, find you and order some uh green white oak uh, where would they do so Sure. Um, so you can, uh, my website, which is jwswanandsons.com. Uh, and I, otherwise I'm on Instagram, uh, just at, uh, jwswan or jwswanandsons with the and, uh, spelled out. So just those are email is just a great way to, to, to reach me. And you can do that through my website. All right. Fantastic. Mark, what about yourself? I am at plate11.com or at markbuildsit on Instagram and plate11woodworking on YouTube. Kyle? And I'm at barton.com on Instagram and Kyle Barton on YouTube, and I will have some videos coming out shortly. Ooh-ah. I seem more confident now, so hopefully they'll be there. <laughs> so uh, Great. By the, t- by the time you hear this, hopefully they will be there. So <laughs> anyway, so uh, Sean, what about yourself? No, you can find me at SeanW78 on most social medias. So uh, thanks again for having us, Josh. Yeah, no, thank you very much. This has been a a real pleasure. All right, great. So, um, Mark, are there any reviews that we have? Well, I did see that we got a new rating this week. I don't know um, what the rating was because they didn't leave any comments. So please, folks, leave some comments. Yes. The, The best ever. Was it superior? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it had to be four stars. I mean, we've yeah, got the format changes. We've got, you know, a new host who's totally awesome. And um, <laughs> we, we got the best the best guests in the woodworking world. Um, but no comments on the ratings. So, folks, get out there and leave a comment. 
on mm-hmm. iTunes. So I, I had to dig back into the archives, uh, but all the way back to 2017. Uh, the Lutes gave us four stars and says, it's a privilege for the earballs. Some of the forefathers of the bringing together of makers effort, MWA is to podcast what Lee Nielsen is to hand planes, the best of the best. With a master skill set, Sean and Diami, and also Kyle and Mark, bring you current <laughs> news in the maker world, as well as a diversity of people, information, and personalities with every episode. Add to that stuff about beer, and you have it all. Absolutely cue-worthy. There you have it, folks. All right. If you think you can do better, and you can do something more interesting, I will be happy to read it in a cheesy voice on the podcast, if you'll oh, just absolutely. go and, and leave a review on iTunes. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.